0: Welcome to This Week in VO with J. Michael Collins. Each week, JMC will host one of the voiceover industry's most interesting personalities for a casual freestyle chat that encompasses more than just business, digging deep into the guest's backstory and pulling back the curtain on how they became the person they are today. Now, please welcome this week's guest, Townsend Coleman. Hey, it's J. Michael Collins, and this is This Week in VO. It's the first episode of a new podcast. Uh, People have been asking me for a while. I've resisted because I'm lazy and I've got other stuff to do. But you know what? It's about time. Here we are. Uh, And I've got a pretty damn cool guest for our first go, and that is the uh, illustrious Townsend Coleman of uh, a man who, when we connected just a little while ago, he was already in character. I'm not sure he, he gets he gets out of character.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh you know, I tell you, it's just every so often it
0: just it seems to crop up and I can't do anything about it. <laughs> oh, well, man. welcome. Welcome, sir.
1: Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me. I didn't realize it this I was gonna be your very first guest. So first, vi- first guess- victim. Yeah, I see what I'm doing here. Yeah, I see, I see. It's, it's taking, it's I taking see what my job
0: is. Taking my podcast virginity. Uh, That's right. Which, yeah, there you go, right? Uh, I, and I have to say. Uh, but I, safely, safely, safely. Safely, safely. From, from a distance. This is socially yes. distanced. Oh, uh, is. deflowering. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, I, didn't I say in an email to you that we were going to keep this clean, right? It's uh, <laughs> not that long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Holy cow! You're in Luxembourg and I'm in LA. That's it. Uh, okay, I'll,
0: I'll tell you. You want know, to see a doctor about that if it lasts for more than seven <laughs> hours. But, uh, <laughs> huh. Huh. Hey, hey there. Uh, <laughs> so i I, am um I'm, i'm stalking your imdb page right now and uh normally what i do is i you know if i do a webinar or something like that i'm gonna list a bunch of impressive credentials but i actually went down to the very very bottom here and this not that this it isn't an impressive credential but i saw the thing that caught my eye was 1985 inspector gadget And I got to tell you, (laughs) I I didn't know. I didn't know. And that when I, now, as we were talking about, I'm younger than you expected. When, when, when I revealed my age to you, uh, and in 1985, I was six um (laughs) and uh and inspector gadget was my favorite show in fact penny was probably my first crush Uh, your first love my first love um she was animated but you know there you go uh tell me about inspector gadget just what what was how was that experience
1: well so it w- was fantastic it was cuz it was my first <laughs> and uh, yeah and and i mean i moved out to la i grew up in cleveland basically was a dj back there and an actor and did all everything i could think to do in the um, entertainment industry back in ohio um and i moved out here in 1984 with the idea that i wanted to be on an on camera actor um i didn't come out here to do voiceovers i mean i'd done a lot of voiceover work and and uh, and character work and stuff back in Cleveland, but cartoons were nowhere on my radar whatsoever. And my agent at the time, I'd been here six months, um, and my agent uh, sent me on on an audition for Inspector Gadget, and I thought, "Oh, that's cool. My kids watch that show. Um, that could be kind of fun, I guess." Right. You know. So I so I went on the audition and and. I mean, there was nothing remarkable about it except for the fact that I met this gal, Marcia Goodman. She was the casting director and um, dialogue director on the show. And I went to their office at Deke and just sat in her office. I mean, it was just her office. And she had a little cassette deck uh, on her um, office desk and a little Radio Shack mic. And that was it. And she handed, she handed me this, you know, a picture of the character and, and, uh, you know, some sample dialogue. And, of, and
0: what, what was the character?
1: The character's name was Corporal Cape Man. And, and he was a character that they created just for the last 10 episodes of the series. He was sort of gadgets, a little uh, right-hand man, his assistant. Okay. And, and he rode a trike around and he had a cape and a helmet and big, thick glasses and buck teeth and stuff. And, and and i and so i looked at the picture and i felt like i immediately knew what he sounded like you know mm-hmm. i thought and what came to my mind at the time was um edwin uh from mary poppins you know oh, the, okay. yeah, yeah. The, oh, oh, oh you know that sort All of right. the line you know oh, you can very because i thought, i looked at this character and i thought you know so it was that sort of feel to me and so i did that um, with a bit of a lisp uh, you know for, uh, with the buck teeth and stuff and i was doing this you know and and she laughed and and that's all you know that's always the best reaction i mean that's what you're looking for and i didn't even realize it but she laughed and she said, oh that's great you know let's play around with that a little bit and the audition couldn't have lasted more than probably not even 10 minutes i guess you know and that was that, you know, and so I went home and um, like a day or two later, I got a call from my agent saying that I booked the part nice. and, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. You know, I've only been here six months and already I'm going to do an episode of a cartoon. Um, I, I don't even know how to do that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I found myself in a uh, uh, little studio over in Burbank, BNB sound um, with Maurice LaMarche. It was his first um, cartoon series. And uh, uh, Frank Welker, who was sitting right between me and uh, Mo, and I didn't know either of them at the time. I'd never even heard of, well, never heard of either of them, but right. had, I certainly hadn't heard of Frank Welker. And, you know, of course, come to find out later <laughs> who he is. And then on the other side of me is Don Adams, who, of course, I recognized because I was a big fan of Get Smart mm-hmm. uh, growing up. So- So there we were just the four of us in this studio, you know, so I look at these three guys and me and and I'm going, wow, this is really weird. But so that was it, you know, it was my, my entree into animation. And I had so much fun at that first session. Um, and I'll tell you real quick, I, I don't want to go on about this, but a real quick little story about that. Um, is that, because I didn't know who Frank was, I didn't know who any of these guys were except Don Adams. Um, because my kids watched the show, I was familiar a little bit with some of the voices on it, particularly the voice of Dr. Claw. Mm-hmm. And I remember even when we were back in Cleveland, you know, uh, I would hear it on in the background and I'd hear this voice and I would think, what in the world does that guy look like? Who does that voice? I mean, it's this, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's this, you know, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. well, of course you remember it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I was. I'm looking at Mo and I'm looking at Frank who's sitting right next to me. And when you talk to Frank, he's, you know, he's got this real easy kind of, you know, sort of light voice, sort of like this, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, he was from Denver and then, and then Don Adams. So I'm looking at these guys going, well, none of these guys are Dr. Claw. So I see that they're all circling their lines on their scripts and, you know, going through the scripts before we start to record. So I did the same thing. And I see that there are some Dr. Claw lines coming up. And I think, well, they're probably going to pick that guy up later because he's not here. <laughs> and so we're doing a read-through and they're recording this read-through. And we get to that page with the Dr. Claw lines. And I'm thinking we're just going to skip over him when all of a sudden Frank opens his mouth. And he's sitting really, literally you know, on my left shoulder. And, and out comes this Dr. Claw voice. And I was so stunned that I looked at him. And I, I mean, I literally gasped. And I just went, <clears> oh. <throat> oh my god that's you and i'm saying this out loud you know completely forgetting the fact that we're recording right um and he stops and he looks at me and he just it's this real sweet smile and he says yes it's me and (laughs) i that was i look back on that moment now and that's i think the moment when all of a sudden i saw this whole world open up before me you know when i realized that's that kind of power. And it's that kind of cool anonymity. Um And it's that kind of talent, you know, that that's that, awesome that this business is about. And I said, okay, I, w- I would really like to do more of that. <laughs> so I told my agents, please send me out more on those <laughs> auditions. And they did. And, you know, I got kind of like thing lucky.
0: led to another, right? So, yep, hey, so you, yep. moved, you moved from L, uh, Cleveland to L.A. in the mid-'80s. Um, what, what was that like? Was that, was that culture shock? What, what was that experience like?
1: Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I had just turned 30 in May of 84, and I had been on the radio there for 10 years, worked all different kinds of formats, frankly was bored with radio, but really sick to death of the fact that there was no money to be made in it, and I had discovered voiceover. While I was on the radio in Cleveland about probably two or three years into my career and discovered the union joined AFTRA in 1978 and, and, and then, um, started doing all this freelance voice work, which was crazy for me because I was also the production director at a couple of the radio stations I worked at and, and was not getting paid anything more to do the production at the stations while I'm voicing all these commercials for them for nothing. But I'm getting hired freelance outside of the radio station to do all this um, additional voice work that I was getting paid for. And it got to the point where after a number of years, I was making more money a year doing my freelance VO stuff than I was working six days a week at the radio station. And it just didn't make any sense to me. And I thought, Okay, I'm done. I w- always wanted to be in radio. I wanted to try it. I- I've done it now. It's great, and I've I can put that behind me. And now I'm just going to concentrate on just doing voiceover here in the Midwest, which is what I was going to do. So I quit radio in like right after my 30th birthday, in June of '84, and. And felt this great sense of relief, um, had a good agent there, was going to go get an agent in Detroit and Chicago and you know Pittsburgh and just try and spread myself around. When about two weeks later, I got a call from our landlord. We were renting a house there and saying that he was selling the house and we had to be out by the end of September. Mm. And I thought, are you kidding me? Not only do I hate moving, but I really, I just quit my job. <laughs> you know, so, so now I've got to move to, and I thought I have always wanted to go either to New York or LA. And I thought, well, you know, dude, now's your, now's your chance. You know, you're 30, you've done radio, you've done TV and film and um, stage here in Cleveland and commercials. I was at the time pulling the Ohio lottery numbers on TV every night. <laughs> <laughs> for for one minute you know that was broadcast were you weren't you weren't
0: were, were modeling the balls were you
1: I wasn't modeling the balls, but, 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 but very closely, man, because I was doing modeling. I was modeling at the time in Cleveland also I had a modeling agent and I was modeling, I was modeling underwear for May company. Well,
0: so, so, so (laughs) so that that's, that we're done. That's the, that image just isn't going to get, that's, (laughs) that's going to be with (laughs) me for the rest of the week.
1: So sorry. Didn't, didn't mean to go there, but, uh, yeah. And, and I was also hosting a nationally syndicated dance show. Out of Atlanta. So I was going down to Atlanta. I was flying down to Atlanta every other weekend, taping two shows on a Saturday. So I'd fly down Friday night, tape two shows on a Saturday and fly back Sunday. And I did that every other weekend for about a year. And so I was still doing that at this point. And, and, but I saw that it was coming to an end as well. So, so I thought now is my chance if ever to just pack up and go. So, Long story short, I ended up, you know, talking to a couple of people about it and decided I was going to come out to L.A. and just look around. So I came out the closing weekend of the Olympics of 84, rented a car, stayed down by the airport, drove up to the Glendale area because I had heard that that was sort of more neighborhood ish than, Mm. you know, much of L.A. So and just drove around and found this little place to rent in Glendale and um, took it. And and flew home. And literally two weeks later, we were living here. Wow. It happened that fast. Moved in over Labor Day weekend of of 84. And
0: uh, if people are ahead, sorry.
1: No, I was just going to say, and I, I knew one person out here at the time, and uh, she was gracious enough to get me a uh, we had done some children's theater back in Ohio together. And she was out here married and and she was gracious enough to get me an interview with her agent, which at the time was special artists and her husband agent was uh, uh, SBV. And so I met with those two agents and, um, and that's when I ended up signing with uh, Jeff Danis, but I ended up signing with uh, Doug Ely, who was the on-camera commercial agent there at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and he said, he said, I see you've done some voiceover work. Do you have a tape? And I said, yeah, sure. So I gave him my tape and, and Jeff wasn't in at the time, but, but so I left. And by the time I got home, Jeff had come back from lunch, listened to the demo and already left me a message on my voicemail, uh, my my answering machine saying, listen, I just listened to your tape. I love it. Whatever you do, don't sign with anybody until you come back and talk to me. So I went back and met him the next day and ended up signing with them. And, Yes, and so the, the rest, as they say, is history. You know, I'm still with Jeff to this day.
0: So, yeah. for 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 those who are just tuning in, this is um, internationally renowned underwear model Townsend Coleman. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> all right, so 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 we went there. Talk to me about other weird things, weird gigs you've done since you've been out there. Give me give me some oddball jobs.
1: Oh, um, oddball jobs! I remember I had a voiceover gig at one point where I needed to. All I had to do was snore, and, yeah, and and it was for some commercial for you know some storing, snoring m- treatment or medication or something. And and the only reason I got this is because my dad was a narcoleptic, and so he would fall asleep at the dinner table with a fork halfway up to his mouth. Oh my! God. And and hold it there, but completely out. And trying to hold his head upright, but it kept tilting back. And he had this really distinctive snore that I grew up listening to, you know. And so and so I guess that's what got me the gig. Um, <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a weird one. Um, I don't know. I can't really think offhand. Too many weird gigs, you know, some unusual ones. You know, one of my favorite ones was um, getting the voice of uh, the little 7-Up Spot. Um, they call him Cool Spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little guy that, you know, wore the sunglasses, ran around, you <laughs> know, um, you know, and, uh, that was probably one of my shortest gigs ever. Cause I did one session that lasted about an hour. They just needed a library of that kind of stuff with all different sort of feels to it and situations and, um, actions. And then they called me back for another 20 minute session. Not long after that, uh, to pick up some stuff they needed specifically, and then, and then, and then, a very short session for the video game. They had an arcade game of Cool Spot uh, that I had to do the voice for. So it was one of the you know shortest gigs that I had just in terms of actual time in studio. Right. But it ran. But it lasted seven years. They 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 made like six or seven national spots out of that that library that they had for about six or seven years. And I probably made more. I dough remember on the guy.
0: I, I remember, spot. I remember that character. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, cool stuff like that.
0: So if you, if you were if you think back to inspector gadget and you know, that ensemble cast that you were working with, yeah. the way you guys worked, what's different about the way you worked back in 85 compared to how something like that would go down today.
1: In, in what sense?
0: In general, I mean, is it still the same concept, everybody in the same room? Maybe not right now, obviously, but, uh, you know, how, how does that look? Has anything changed?
1: Yeah, no, uh, no not really. Um, I mean, except for COVID, of course, but like you said, but but no, especially in animation, or I should say TV animation, um, They, the producers uh, and the creators uh, would far prefer to have all the cast there together in studio because the energy is so different. Right, You know, it's you work off of each other, you bounce off of each other so well um, when you're in studio together. It's, you know, it's really tough if they just bring you in one at a time and, and wild line your your lines, which is the way they do it pretty much in feature animation. You know, of course, that's all celebs anyway. But but yeah, um, so they still do it that way. Um, and they're even still, you know, pretty much attempting to do it that way now with right. IPDTL because you can get six guys. I say guys. I, I don't mean just men. Um, you can get six actors online simultaneously all hearing each other and bouncing off of each other. The only thing that's missing is you just don't see each other, right. you know. So but it still has a bit of that same energy, which is still far preferable to doing it, you know, just singly.
0: And we've seen, um, I, I've seen some studios open out there now. I mean, is anybody going in studio in LA right now?
1: That's a great question, man. I I couldn't tell you. I I think from time to time, yes. Um, I I'm not one of them because I don't I don't really pursue that stuff so much anymore. Pretty much, my life is all about promo nowadays, mm-hmm. and and I've been working out of my 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 home my home studio for so many years anyway that that in that sense, COVID really hasn't affected me, um, you know, cause it's been so long since I've really gone into a studio and I miss it. I'll tell you, I, right. I miss those days a lot, but I don't do that much commercial work or, or animation work anymore. Right. Um, it's all, you know, pretty, just pretty much just solo stuff. Um, so I mean,
0: the, We're talking about the elephant in the room. How, how are you coping with COVID? Is it, is it top of mind? Are you taking a thousand precautions? Are you not that worried about it? What, what's your perspective? And how are you dealing with it?
1: Well, I'm not that worried about it. However, I am taking precautions. Yeah. um, Here in SoCal, I mean, we've got to be wearing masks. um, And pretty much everybody does. uh, Less so in Orange County, I hear, Mm. um, or Ventura County. But here in LA County, um, pretty much everybody's pretty good about wearing masks when they're out in public. And most stores, I mean, if you try and go to the market or something, they won't even let you in if you don't have one, you know. Yeah, it's so like it's like that so, over
0: here too they you're not going anywhere unless you yeah. pass go right
1: Yeah and 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 so I think that's a good thing I yeah. personally take um precautions for two reasons partly because i'm 66 and you know not a spring chicken anymore although i'm in real good health probably better health than i've you know in better shape but are you are you still in underwear
0: I've model shape i mean that's that's the- uh
1: yeah um you, you know you would be surprised i actually am i weigh now <laughs> what i weighed what i weighed in high school serious <laughs> i've been really working on you know i quit eating, eating sugar a, a little over a year ago and processed stuff and so, my I've lost like 30 pounds, and I've I'm just I feel like that, I've that's got a that's ton awesome because,
0: because whatever you've lost, I found so good. Good on you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was hoping somebody would pick it up, I'd hate to see it go to waste. Go to waste. Get it? <laughs> I what you did there. Huh? You see, you I kill you see,
0: me. He's here all week, kids. Uh, right? Try this, try old, tip your waiters.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So, no, but so I feel great. Um, so I don't think I'm really high risk or anything like that, right. but, but I also take precautions for other people. I just think it's the right thing to do. You know, if, I mean, God forbid I were some sort of carrier of this thing and not knowing it just asymptomatic, you know, I wouldn't want to be breathing on people and putting them in danger. Right. So anyway, yeah. So I like take precautions for sure.
0: Do you know anybody who's, who's really been impacted? And I've seen, I think the first, you know, six, nine months of this, we knew, I don't know, two, three, four people who had gotten it. And then it just seems like in the last three, four, five months, you know, every day, somebody else is popping it's, up that we know. I mean, anybody, you know, that, right. it, that's really been closely and personally impacted. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, my son uh, uh, got it, got uh, a scare with it. Um, I was just talking to Jimmy Cummings uh, mm-hmm. yesterday and he had it back in uh, the fall Um yeah. And, and my experience has been sort of like yours, you know, back in the beginning, I didn't know anybody. It's like, it wasn't touching my world at all, mm. you know, and now I'm starting to hear more and more, you know, um, cases of it hitting, uh, friends, friends of friends, um, friends of family members, uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a little spooky. Yeah. Be Nice when it goes away.
0: What do you, what's the first thing you're going to do when the world gets back to normal?
1: Um, <laughs> uh, other than I'm coming, coming to, to Ireland, other than coming to Ireland, yeah, yeah, all right, It's going to be in there. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know the thing. Like I was saying, I, I'm really a bit of a homebody, so it's not like I'm dying to, you know, start hop on a plane and get traveling again. Although I will say, so yeah, now that I think about it, probably one of the first things I'm going to do is go visit my son and his family in Denver because. Uh, My oldest grandson graduated high school last year Mm. and we were all supposed to go back in May um, for a big graduation party, be there for his graduate, you know, and of course it never happened. I mean, his graduation happened, he graduated, but we didn't get to celebrate it. And I haven't been out there since um, just after Christmas of a year ago. So so that's probably the first thing that I do. I've been fortunate to be able to see my my oldest daughter and her family, she lives up in the Bay Area mm-hmm. a couple of times uh, in the past year. And my daughter, my other daughter who lives in uh, Phoenix, um, same thing. And then my youngest son lives here in town, so I see him all the time. But, you know, so those are the people that I really gravitate toward and, and, and want to go visit. And, but especially my son right now in Denver, just because I, I haven't seen them, uh, you know, he and his wife or their three boys since Christmas uh, a yeah. year ago. That's going to be. hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're we're, we're lucky to have family nearby, but the, uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's my, it's my voiceover people, actually, because, you know, being an ocean apart. Sure. uh, It's, uh, it's that, that group of friends, uh, over there that's, uh, just, I mean, Zoom's great, right? But, uh, but but it's not (laughs) the same. It only goes so far. Uh, Yeah, right. Nope. Talk to me about um, the future of the business, if you will, a little bit. So, you know, you've had a, a wonderful career, uh, and, and are still going. And we've got, um, you know, people who are just just getting going, just starting out in this and coming up. Uh, what do you think they can expect in the next five, ten, fifteen years? Are the are the are the robots going to take over? Is AI going to come take all our business? Or
1: oh, listen, don't even joke about that. <laughs> I I I I actually see that happening. I really do. Yeah, You know, maybe maybe not, not entirely. I don't think, you know, robots are going to take over, you know, everything from humans, but the technology has gotten so good now. Um, And some of it's, you know, scary, frankly, Mm -hmm. at how good it is um, that they can, you know, simply sample somebody's voice and then type whatever they want into it and characteristics and speed and style and all that kind of stuff. Listen, they'll get that down in the next I don't know whether it's, you know, five years or five months or Mm -hmm. 10 years. I don't know, but it'll, it'll happen to the point where I will bet you that more and more commercials will start using artificial voices and people won't know. I do. And people won't know the difference. Um, It'll be that good, you know? So while I think it's crazy, great technology, it's also scary. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, scary. The, the, the The way technology has just replaced humans so much. As far as the business, boy, I got to tell you, man, uh, it has just changed so much since I got here what, 35 years ago, sort of six years, 37 years ago. Oh, man, <laughs> it's been longer than I thought. Wow, where did that time go? Um, And so, I, you know, it used to be that back then, to do, you know, what I found myself doing, you had to be here in town and you had to live here. We didn't have the technology to do it all remotely the way Mm -hmm. we do now. And if you had a dream and you moved to LA and you got lucky and you were ready for that break when it came along your way, um, things could really happen, you know, but, but, but you really had to be here. At the same time, the the voiceover community such as it was was extremely small i mean i knew the guys who were my competition so whenever i auditioned for something back then i always knew that you know i'd run into rob paulson and cam mm-hmm. clark and you know uh um these guys uh so so that you know it's it's just not like that anymore which is has been a real discouragement for me just because it's taken so much of the fun and the competitiveness out of the business. Well, um, not the competitor. I mean, it's still competitive for sure, but it's, it's not competable. That's what it is. It used to be competable. I used to feel that when I went out and auditioned for something, um, in that competition, I at least stood a chance Mm -hmm. of actually booking whatever I was reading for. Now, I don't, it just doesn't feel like that to me at all. You know, when I do an MP3 audition, I record it, I send it off to my agent, you know, and I hear that little sound as I click the email and it goes, (laughs) and and I just see it going out into the ether, never to be heard ever by anybody, (laughs) you know, so, because you don't know. I just assume that my agent, you know, takes my audition, actually submits it and, you know, and that the people they submit it to actually listen to it. But I don't know, you know, I mean, when we were VO Atlanta and I was listening to some of these casting people and hearing them say, yeah, we've got 600 submissions on it, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. like, how the heck in the world do you have time to, or energy or desire to listen to every single one of them, you know? And, and even if you do, you you probably only listen to the, like the first three seconds, if mm-hmm. that of it, because you know, instantly whether or not that person is going to be even remotely right for it. Right. So, so I thought it just doesn't feel competable anymore. Now it's just numbers yeah. and feels like playing the lotteries, feels like buying a lottery ticket and just hoping, you know, you cross your fingers. And yet if it's what you want to do and you can't not do it, then you have to put up, you have just have to, you know, deal with that reality and, 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 and realize that, you know, look, if I don't step up to the plate and take a swing, I can't get a hit. Right. So, you know, it's, it's like they used to say in the lottery, you know, can't win if you don't play. Um, <laughs> as you,
0: as you, you model, know, as you hold up those little balls with the numbers on them. right? That,
1: that's right. Right. <laughs> um, how'd you know my balls have numbers? I, oh, know, I think I, we I, talked about that. I do, yeah. I
0: do a lot of pre-research. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, know, I went right all there. the way
1: to the bottom of your IMDb page. That's right.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> so, but yeah, so you got to keep, you got to keep stepping in. You got to keep yourself in the game and you got to just keep at it. You know, it's like, there are times when I just look at an audition for my agent and I go, Ugh, this again. Right. And, you know, I hate to say that, but. You know, it's yeah, this again. And so you do it again and you just keep doing it. And sometimes the trick is keeping your attitude up, your energy up, your your head in the game so that you're still giving it your best, even when it seems like the odds are a million to one that you'll you'll book this right
0: Well, you know, it's i I'm kind of an odd duck in that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of one generation behind you and we've got talent coming in now who are a couple generations, uh, sure. new and, you know, so I, I, am a, I'm a creature of both worlds. When I started, I started in the agency-based world. I did that for 10 years. I worked like 10 hours a week. I lived on a golf course. I thought it was the coolest thing on the face of the earth. And I never really thought about making a fortune doing this. It was just a, a really nice way to make a living. And yeah. then, then the whole DIY world of voiceover started becoming a thing about 15 years ago. And yep. I was one of the early adopters of that. So I've got kind of got a foot in both worlds. But um, one of the things that I hear, you know, and I, I've heard it a little bit in in just the, the worlds that I run in, but I think newer talent are hearing it more um, even than I did and, and my generation did, uh, is maybe a little bit of a sense of resentment by people who who have been in the game for a long time at at the changes, at the way things have gone and at the way new talent are working and at all of the technology out there. Is that a, a fair assessment? Is, and, is, and is if if that resentment exists, is it, is it fair?
1: Are you saying resentment on the part of the old folks like me?
0: Well, not, not like you per se, you seem to have a very good attitude about it, but I think in, in right. terms of but people be... have been, you know, in, in it for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and now they're oh. seeing the way things have changed and they're, and they're like, man, this is bullshit. And I, I think oh, yeah. a lot of newer talent oh, totally. are, you know, are, are perceiving that. Do you, and is, that, totally. is it, is it fair for them to feel that way? Do you, it, it, do you think that that's a legitimate gripe?
1: Well, listen, you know, h- human beings come in all stripes and, and, you know, some people are going to handle it well. Some aren't, you know. Um, listen, I remember I, I remember when I got um, my gig at NBC. And I ended up over the course of a year and a half or two years replacing Danny Dark. Mm-hmm. And Danny Dark had had the job for a long time. And, and I don't think he was very pleased with the fact that I was replacing him. You know, well, I've been replaced on gigs, too. And 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 it's not a good feeling you don't like it you know i remember back when i not long after i moved here maybe i'd been here just a couple of years three four years and i was meeting some of my idols in this business you know and and going holy cow you know i uh, i i just met danny dark you know he's the voice of the uh, keebler and he's the voice of anheuser-busch and chevrolet and all these you know great th- and you know and so it was always an honor to meet these guys and And I remember watching them as they got older and us younger guys, you know, who were in our, you know, early thirties, mid thirties, we're coming in and we're starting to take their work. Mm. Well, that's just the nature of the, I was going to say the nature of the business. That's the nature of the world. Yeah. Right. You know, it just, look, it's, it's the, it is the circle of life. You just, it's just the way it is. And if you don't understand that and you don't get that, then you're going to Set yourself up for being bitter about it when it happens to you. So I recognized that back then. And I saw, I saw a number of, you know, some of these older guys going down and being really, really bitter about it and didn't take it well. and, 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 and it ended poorly for them. Conversely. I remember seeing some who were very gracious about it and circumspect. And they understood that, look, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've had a long, you know, 30 year career, 40 year career, whatever. And, you know, and, and it's, I can't expect it to go on forever. And these guys are young and talented and hungry and, and it's their turn now. And I watched them and I am serious, man. I sat back and I watched them and I thought, dude, take note here because this is going to happen to you someday. And when it does, you're going to have to make a choice how you're going to handle it because, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going to be in your mid sixties someday hitting 70 and, and looking at all these guys who are taking all the work that you used to have or the types of work that you used to have that you don't get anymore. Not that you couldn't, not that you've lost your talent. I haven't, you know, I still got my same voice, you know, it's like cowabunga dudes. I mean, I listen, I, <laughs> I could still be doing the same stuff I was doing 35 years ago, you know, but, but there are guys, there are a million guys who could do that stuff too. give them the chance. You know, it's, they're the ones who are really, you know, shaking a leg to try and make this happen for themselves and probably have a better bead on styles today and, and how things work today um, than, than I care to you know people using social media like crazy i mm-hmm. could care less i i just
0: i really I, get, I don't i get people trying to drag me into clubhouse have you seen clubhouse yeah yeah right? and and all uh, that
1: stuff and people want me to do cameo and stuff and i'm like you know guys god bless you. you go ahead have fun you be doing all that stuff but it just doesn't interest me that much you know do i wish i were working more of course would i like to make more money of course you know but I also recognize the fact that I've had a really great career, right. you know, and I'm super grateful for that. And so that's what I try and hang on to, not looking back, going, "Oh, why didn't I get that?"
0: You know, little whippersnappers on my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Are you a football so, guy? Are you watching the Super
1: Bowl? Of course I am. Yeah. Who you got? Don't ask me who. Well, I don't know. You know, part of me would love to see Brady get, you know, another, other ring and perhaps his last super bowl you know mm-hmm. uh, he ain't getting any younger um and and uh i mean he's older than you are He's uh, I, I'm telling you,
0: I, there there is nothing more emasculating than watching <laughs> watching a 43 year old man play in his tenth Super Bowl, and, and and you know living on kale shakes. And then I look at myself when I get out of the shower with the you know you know I, I like to think I carry myself with a certain demeanor, but I have the body of a potato. Uh, and, and 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 I'm just sitting here like, well, well, shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, and not a French fry at that. No. Um, yeah, yeah. So. So I'd like to see, uh, part of me would like to see Brady win. Um, I think it'd be cool for the Bucks too. Uh, They're playing at home, the Super Bowl, first time that's ever happened. You know, so there are a number of reasons why that would be fun. However, I love Patrick Mahomes Mm -hmm. and I I would love to see him do it again. So I don't know, you know, you got this young kid on one side and then you got the greatest of all time on the other. And so I, I, you know, I'm not going to pick one over the other. Um, I would be happy for either of them. Who uh, who wins for various reasons?
0: All right, well, yeah, so, so yeah. I can't get I can't get a prediction out of you.
1: Um, um, oh, so it's a prediction. It's not just okay. I'm going to say, dude. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to say the Chiefs. Yeah, you got a score? Yeah, yeah, a score. Um, I think it's going to be tight. I'll say uh, I'll say twenty-seven uh, twenty-four.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter you. I'm gonna go Bucks 28 27. But I'm but I'm t- I'm torn like you are because I'm a Brady fan. I have been since day one. But I actually okay. do, I do spots with Helsberg for Patrick Mahomes with Patrick Mahomes for Helsberg Oh, do you really? Diamonds. Yeah. So I'm like, do I, am I rooting against the guy I'm getting paid with, or uh, <laughs> how does this work exactly? Uh, Bad
1: omen, man. Don't do I, that.
0: No, it's not a good idea. That that job will go away, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. that's your kiss of death. Right, right. there, the old KOD. <laughs> oh
0: man. Well, look, uh this has been a blast, man. I wanna I wanna wrap up. Give nice. me give me uh one piece of advice for uh for talent who uh want to be Townsend Coleman when they grow up.
1: Uh stick with it, you know. I mean it sounds cliche, you got a dream, you can you know, you can make your dreams come true, you know, but just go for it and stick with it. Um it really, that really is a thing. Um, be honest with yourself and ask friends and people who you trust uh, and know um, what they, you know, think of your your talent and your prospects. You know, they really just say, well, you know, it's not going to happen. And and I've seen that happen plenty of times. And but it's been because they're doing it on their own terms. They've they've said, you know what, I gave it everything I did uh, or could, and. And then that, and then, and then decided, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to head in a different direction, you know, but, uh, but yeah, um, be ready. That's the other thing too, you know, um, be ready to go, keep your attitude up. Sometimes the hardest thing I remember, this was hard for me in the beginning um, when I was doing um, or, or attempting to do on camera work and, and my on camera auditions, I would just get so nervous You know, and you're probably too young, but there used to be a a commercial years ago for a deodorant. um, And the tagline was never let them see a sweat. Mm -hmm. And and I remember I remember telling myself that. So don't let them just like a dog can smell fear. Mm -hmm. Don't let them see your fear. Don't let them see a sweat. Don't let them sense that you've got to keep yourself above that. You've got to stay on top of the wave. Don't let the wave stay on top of you. And, you know, and crush you into the, into the sand. And so, so I would work on that and work on that and work on that. But then it started to become, I became my own worst enemy because then I was starting to play these mind games where I would say to myself, oh, you're just trying to, you're just trying to fake it, aren't you? Oh, right. you're just trying to pretend you're not scared. Now you're just trying to, and boy, that it was that back and <laughs> forth that I felt like there's no winning here. I, I can't win against myself. That, that you have to get past right. and you have to just say, look, be, and so I will say, be grateful for every day that you have, be grateful for every opportunity you have um, for every little thing, be kind to the people you meet along the way and the people you work for and the people you work with um, kindness matters. It just does, you know, and that's, and being that's, all, that's a decent
0: fantastic human advice. Being. That's, Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I, I, it's amazing. This little industry that, uh, uh, you know, I, I, you know, we have our handful of little jackasses in this business, but at the end of the day, this is not uh, many, one of the, not many, right. This is one of the nicest parts yep. of the entertainment industry. And, um, and man, people will remember if you're a decent human being. I, I think that's yeah. just an incredible piece of advice. Hey, um, you well, know, I, back, back when, uh, when we were talking about your balls, um, I, yes, I told man. you that I, that I did a lot of pre-research. I lied. Um, I, barely any, do you coach?
1: I, I occasionally, but no, not really, not as a business or anything like that. I teach occasionally for, you know, some workshops, um, uh, uh, you know, around the country, um, and have done some guest stuff. I don't do it on a regular basis. I, I, I just haven't, <laughs> you, you know, wanna, and you I've wanna... had a lot of people, I've had a lot of people have asked me over the years, you know, but. I just, I I haven't, I don't really have, I don't have a facility for it. I don't have a studio for, I would, if I were going to do that, I'd much rather do it in person. When I do teach in person, um, I love it and I'm good. I know I'm good. You know, and, that's, and where, that's, why we're
0: bringing, that's why we're bringing you to Dublin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Well, I'm s- totally super looking forward to that, man. I hope it happens this I year. I
0: hope it happens too, man. It's uh, we, yeah. we're, if we're, if we're still in late September and we're in this shit, then I'm, I think we're done. Right? Like, let's just yeah. call it. Yeah. But, no uh, I couldn't. Well, Hey man, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for all the, uh, the assorted wisdom you have provided. And, oh, uh, it's been so cool, m- much obliged, stay safe out there and, uh, take care of your, you and yours. And, thank you. Um, you too, brother. We'll catch up soon, all right? You got There's it. Thanks everybody. Thank you, sir. All right. Turtle power. Bye. You have been listening to This Week in VO with J. Michael Collins. Be sure to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues on social media. If you do, JMC might just send you a lobster. Now here's nobody trying to sell you anything, because that's just how we roll. Stay tuned for a new podcast most
1: weeks throughout the year.